pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 293. Today I'm going to chat with Ryan Amagost, discuss the verdict in the CRS case, highlight a new smart gun, and talk about ATF going door to door to confiscate triggers. I'm Ava Flannell, and Ryan, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I imagine that you, man, you guys have been going at it. I couldn't even imagine meeting your position, but I'd imagine you guys have been working really long hours. But yeah. We'll talk about that here shortly, but before we do, I just want to take a quick break, talk about Smith & Wesson, who's one of our show sponsors. If you guys are in the market for a new EDC, definitely check out the new Shield Plus and 30 Super Carry from Federal. It has the same footprint as the 9mm version, but with 30 Super Carry, it holds extra rounds in the mag compared to 9mm. That means 13 rounds in the flush mag and 16 rounds in the slightly extended mag. It's available optic ready with night sights and has the new flat face trigger. You can get them with or without the thumb safety. And a great thing is we started to see a lot more 30 Super Carry ammo on shelves. So availability is definitely picking up. You can check this out at smith-wesson.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. Ryan, I recently had the pleasure of meeting you at the Capitol this past week. Unfortunately, it wasn't under the greatest circumstances. Colorado right now, just like, you know, a lot of other states is just constantly being, you know, imposed with all of these gun bills. And so you were one of the House representatives on the committee voting for the assault weapons bill that got proposed. And... I just want to, before we start talking about all of that, because I have a lot of questions for you, can you just kind of give me a rundown of your background and like how you got into this? Yeah, I was born and raised in Northern Colorado, actually LaSalle, Colorado. And uh, I was right in a small town, right in the mix of urban and rural. So, I mean, I grew up around hunting. I hunted as a young kid, got into firearms as a young kid. And that kind of lifestyle, I think, is the biggest reason I ended up going into the military out of high school. I joined the United States Marine Corps and then uh, left with that for four years. Joined in 95, left with that for about four years, came back, still had some reserve time. When I came back to Colorado, I transferred over to the Colorado Army National Guard early 2001. During that time, I was still doing a lot with firearms, still hunting and everything, obviously. But during my time in the National Guard, I served as a drug and gang crime analyst for three different task forces. I also got to get on with Larimer County Sheriff's Office after that time as a deputy. That was from about 2010 to 2020. I retired from the military 22 years in 2017 and then retired from law enforcement at the end of 2019. So I was no longer a sworn officer on January 1st of uh, 2020. And then we saw the big kind of 
well, not kind of the the big turn against law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Politically, things went south, and that's what got me more politically involved and politically vocal. I hadn't had a platform prior to that. I hadn't really even desired a platform. I kind of wanted to retire quietly, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, that changed things for me uh, just because I wasn't going to sit and watch uh, people degrade and tarnish our law enforcement and things that they do. So I'd had a back to blue rally in the town I live in now in Berthoud, Colorado. And that drew in a lot of people. We probably had about 350 supporters show up to the rally and we had threats and everything else from Antifa in Denver and Boulder to the week prior was the one in Denver where they stormed the stage and injured people, assaulted people. And uh, they claimed they were going to make that look like a joke. So we had a lot of law enforcement and everything here. It uh, it was a great event, but it ended up being a very politically soured event with the town, which was a pretty progressive town board here at the time. So I had to spend the next six months defending the actions of our law enforcement at a very peaceful rally, except for the unpeaceful acts of the Antifa people that were here Mm -hmm. toward law enforcement. So that's when I decided I needed to be active in that. So I was looking to get on the uh, town, whether it be through the town board or as the mayor. And then the redistricting happened with our House and uh, Senate seats and districts. And a new district opened up that encompassed Berthoud. So I thought, well, hey, I might might be able to get in as the first uh, conservative ticket there. So I threw my hat in the ring and ended up being the only Republican running in a very conservative district and was fortunate enough to get elected. And then the rest has been crazy. So, (laughs) Wow. Good for you. That's, I mean, honestly, I love your story and love your background. Appreciate everything that you've done for our country. But I think that that's, you know, that's what we need to see more of. And I keep encouraging people like, hey, if we want to see change, we need to start running at like local levels. And Mm -hmm. just to confirm, so where are you from in Colorado? You said Bertha? Well, I live in Bertha. It's uh, B-E-R-T-H-O-U-D. It's right between, kind of between Longmont and uh, Loveland in northern Colorado. Okay, gotcha. So because just, yeah, just small town. Your house district, uh, so sixty four, right? Correct. Okay, but sixty four is like Elbert. No. Oh, okay. It, it used to be the new, the new district is Berthoud, Mead, Johnstown, Milliken, West Greeley, and Northwest Evans in northern Colorado. Here. Okay, gotcha. Okay, good. Yeah, so it it, it shifted to the other side of the state. Mm-hmm. Nice. What is it like being a House representative and what was it like? Well, first, let's backtrack. What was it like just running for office? Like, tell me about that. And if you, you know, if anyone's listening who is thinking about maybe getting into, you know, politics at a local level, what advice would you have? Well, I also run a local VFW and American Legion here in town. And there's a lot of parliamentary procedures that go into those meetings. So, I have a little bit of a background doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and besides that, well, I'm a small business owner too. I own Team America Tactical, just teaching firearms on the side up here. So, I mean, I had a little bit of perspective going into this, but I hadn't, I, nobody, unless you 
work in the capital or work around this constantly, people have no idea what goes on. People have assumptions and, you know, the stereotypes about politicians and this and that, but nobody, I definitely didn't have any idea what I was getting into when I got into this and mm -hmm. watching sessions during my campaign and everything else. It was, you know, you, you get a somewhat of a grasp of how the flow goes, but everything behind the scenes and the, you know, the, the actual politicking that you have to do to try and convince people before you have to vote on something, how to vote or how, what the good and bad and unintended circumstances are of it. And it's a mess. It's very toxic at some times, but it's also kind of nice to see that there are those times where you can actually draw in people from the other side to support something that our other side doesn't always agree with politically. So it's interesting and kind of rewarding in the sense that you can sometimes make a difference simply by communicating and networking with people. But otherwise, it's that toxic polarity in everything that we do where you don't realize how bad, how far one side has gone until you're face to face on a very tension based, you know, a, a contentious topic like gun control, abortion and things like that. We just don't really realize how how polar opposite we are until we come head to head on those those topics. And that's where it gets gross. Mm -hmm. What advice but would you I, have I, for people who are thinking about running at a local level? I think I think you, you definitely have to know what you're getting into. I have seen people that have gotten in just completely sidetracked what they thought they were getting into. So know what you're getting into. Know that it's not going to be a you know simple Monday through Friday gig. It's it's not going to be something where you can simply come to work, you know, do something good or bad. And, you know, if something good or bad happens, you go home and, and shake it off and come back the next day. You have to have that ability to be able to come home and completely slough off work, mm -hmm. go to sleep, wake up and start a clean slate. Uh, if you can't do that, we are only in session for four months, but I see people burned out already. And it's it's bad. But, you know, I think. You have to have a background or at least a a self-made level of resilience where you can you can separate home and work because I mean for me, military and law enforcement, I, I became an expert at separating work from home and vice versa. So with politics, I mean, especially a very densely populated group of politicians, you know, 65 in the house and a super minority of our 19 of that 65 it's very easy to get wrapped up and into a rabbit hole. I can mm -hmm. see this job driving people to drink. You know, it's, it's something where you definitely have to just have an ability to know that this is a job. It's not your life. It's not something to get completely wrapped up in. It's good to be passionate about what you're standing for, but at the same time, it's a job. You come home, you shake it off, spend time with your family, you know, whatever you need to do to shake it off because weekends are not really a thing, especially yeah. toward the end of session. Yeah. That's actually That's really good advice. Thing. And because I haven't noticed, so I've now testified three times and mm -hmm. this is nothing like I ever thought that I'd be doing. I just got fed up kind of like you. And then mm -hmm. I also realized like the first time that I went to testify, which was in opposition of SB 23169, 168, and 170. And that was very eye-opening. And I think that everyone should do that at least once in their life to kind of, you know, get a better understanding of how things operate. But I realized that, you know, a lot of the organizations that we're donating to, not to bash them by any means, 
but you know, it was just one person. And then you see all these people in red and you're like, okay, wow, their presence is a lot bigger. And, you know, and how that probably has an effect on, you know, maybe the outcome of how people vote. And I don't know. I mean, everything was just very eye-opening as well as the arguments on the other side and just how crazy they were, like how outlandish they were. And then I realized like, I need to like gather, like rally people up and encourage them to testify. I need to attend more of these. But I did find myself like after a day of testifying the next day, I was just wiped out. And you just keep running things, you know, over and over in your head, like what you said, what other people said, you're just like thinking about, you know, because even I was lucky this last time with the assault weapons ban, I was one of the first people to go. And then I left fairly early, but then I came home and I listened to it on my computer. And because I still want to hear, I think it's important also to hear both arguments. It's not, you know, I think even with news and stuff like that, it's important to read, you know, conservative as well as liberal news and see where everyone's mm-hmm. coming from. And so I wanted to hear what other people were saying and also who was testifying and who wasn't, but it really right. does drain you. So I couldn't imagine yeah. doing this like, you know, back to back because I saw mm-hmm. as soon as you guys did the assault weapons bill, then you did something where correct me if I'm wrong, but it was about uh, cars and energy, correct? Well, and that night of that committee, we had to readdress a bill that was we did the night before pretty late into the evening on previous offenders with uh, weapons. So that one got laid over. So, yeah, it's constantly just we thought, you know, you think you're done. Oh, it's 2 2 a.m. and we're finished with testimony. Oh, yeah, we still have other business to do. (laughs) And then how do you not allow your exhaustion to affect your vote? Like you're just like, okay, fine. Let's just you're not like your best self, I would say. No. So just give us a rundown as to like what your job entails, because I'm actually curious and I personally don't know. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know that you guys only work, you know, four months out of the year, which I mean, I don't think you guys do. There's your time is spent doing other things during, you know, the time that you're not voting on bills and such. But can you just kind of give us a rundown of what your job entails? Right. Yeah. So I'd say, I mean, we start after the first week of January and we immediately go into just kind of it's it's kind of a build up and we don't just jump right back in but this year was my first year in legislation so regardless of how softly we jumped into legislation it was still like drinking from a fire hose mm-hmm. so i just for me living in northern colorado you know it's about a 45 minute drive uh into the capital so i like to get up early you know get out the door early and get there, get coffee made up, get everything for the day going. And then I can kind of relax, take a breath and just kind of focus on what I need to do for that day on any given day. Mondays are a little bit later. Usually we start at 10 a.m., but every other day, Tuesday through Friday or Saturday, sometimes we start at 9 a.m. We gavel in at 9 a.m. So uh, prior to that, we usually have meetings for the Republican side uh, starting at eight o'clock and there are other things that happen, especially, you know, everyone wants to know what our perspective or take is. So there's a lot of media involvement throughout the day, especially in the morning. But uh, we usually in the beginning of session, I'd say our, our time on the House floor in session is maybe an hour, possibly two. Where we're at now in session, we're on the floor anywhere from six to 
12, sometimes even more hours. And then we have to work, you know, committees are hard because people come and schedule, they take time out of their lives to come to testify in committee. And sometimes those committees are delayed until, you know, six hours later or the next day, or people from other sides of the state are, you know, traveling in for hours to be able to testify and not be able to. It's a hard thing to try to balance. But the biggest thing is, you think about we as each legislator have five bills maximum that we're uh, able to push through in the law uh, if we get them to pass, you know, but you're allowed five bills. You can sometimes request an additional bill title or whatever, but that doesn't happen very commonly just because 65 legislators in just in the house, they get five bills each. We're pushing a lot onto the calendar and that's a lot of laws, but a lot of those, especially since we're outnumbered 46 to 19, mm-hmm. we uh, we see a lot of bad legislation. So there's a lot of heavy debate and heavy argument that goes into the really bad bills. Even if we know it's going to be pushed through and passed, we try to make it less terrible than it already is. So we can spend 8, 12, 15 hours on one bill alone, like you saw in committees, but even on the House floor. So those can drag a day out, but that also during that time, I mean, on a good bill, it takes maybe 10 minutes to, to get a bill through read, you know, any kind of questions that might, people might have to ask about it. And then boom, it's passed. Mm-hmm. And that you think about and a bill that we spend 12 or 15 hours on that's how many bills that could have gone through that are now being pushed probably off the back end of the calendar and aren't, aren't even going to make it on the calendar this year. Wow. So it's good in one sense because there's a lot of bad legislation that mm-hmm. isn't going to make it on there. But unfortunately, the bad legislation that does make it on that's that costs our you know tens dozens of hours to to debate through committees and the the floor. That's a, a lot of good bills that we could have made through to to better Colorado. But unfortunately, we're fighting that nonsense. So that's the problem that we end up with in this extreme imbalance. But yeah, so that's pretty much a day. I mean, when we wrap up in committees, we're usually done on the House floor. We don't like going past midnight just for safety reasons. You know, mm-hmm. people have to drive home. Yeah, I drive home because I have a ton of dogs that I have to, to tend to. So mm-hmm. I, I have to come home every night. And if it means two and a half hours of sleep, that's that's kind of dangerous driving home late and then getting up early with no sleep and driving and mm-hmm. in, in traffic again. So. Yeah, absolutely. we try not to do that. And as far as the leadership is concerned, that they don't like doing that. So uh, it still happens just because it kind of has to. But uh, during the interim, we end session at the it'll be May 8th will be our last day this year. And the rest of the year is our interim committees that we're assigned to or that we've requested to be on. So we have, you know, I have my three committees, Judiciary, uh, State Civic Military Veteran Affairs, and Business. Those are my three committees that I'm on. And then the interim, I'll still be on Judiciary. That still meets, you know, a couple times a week. And then the other committees that I might be be on here and there. So, yeah, we're not off for the rest of the year by any means, but we don't have the floor session drama to deal with Mm -hmm. or voting, you know, constantly on bills, like you said for the rest of the year. So it is kind of a nice break just to have a lot more time with family and everything else that we are definitely deprived of during session. But yeah, otherwise, yeah. I'm going to take a quick break. Talk about Mantis. (music) 
If you want to take your dry fryer to a whole new level, definitely check out Mantis X10. The X10 is Mantis's latest generation of shooting performance systems, a smaller and lighter than previous version and has a longer battery life. It mounts directly to a Picatinny rail and it gives you an incredible amount of data on your shooting performance, both dry fire and live fire. Also, Mantis has a ton of different adapters for pistol mags, barrel attachments, and more to mount if the gun that you want to use doesn't have a Picatinny rail. Check these out at mantisx.com. Let's talk about, I'm curious about the dynamics between you and the other side. I would imagine, do you see these people that often, even though everybody works at the Capitol or is it, I mean, is, is everyone kind of familiar with everyone? I would imagine with only 65 members, right? Yeah. And to, to some degree, I I'd say I've gotten to be, I wouldn't say friends, but f- definitely friendly with, uh, several members on the other side, mm-hmm. um, there are quite a few moderates that are, we're actually surprised. And you saw that in, in uh, the committee the other night, those yeah. few that still vote for their district or vote for some of the values that they believe in um, mm-hmm. that might not fit their, fit their party. Mm-hmm. And those ones are probably the ones I get along with more. There are a few people that I've, uh, my five bills, all of my bills are, bipartisan. So I have a Democrat on all of my bills. And that's really, for me, passing bills that have any kind of conservative value to them. That's the only way to get them to pass. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's good to have those allies that, you know, you can, you might be polar opposites on the the political, you know, standpoint, but otherwise, you might be able to meet in the middle on certain, certain topics that you're passionate about. So it's nice to find those little things that you can, you can meet in the middle with. I good thing is I have a, a good relationship, working relationship with the majority leader, Monica Duran. She's on my my canine bill with me that that increases penalty for killing a canine. Mm. Um, there's a few others that are I'm not as aligned with, but definitely appreciative for getting on the bill with me. But um, and then others just that it's, I know I can communicate with. Like, how is your side feeling on this? You know, and what kind of that's how it worked the other night we'd step out and chat in the hallway to see how the other side was feeling about this or that and knowing what we were going to be able to do to destroy terrible legislation (laughs) interesting so let's talk about the assault weapons ban bill that was okay so uh elizabeth epps who proposed the bill just to kind of give you guys an idea so i think she started out with she said it's the guns and then very dramatic pause. It's the guns. Very dramatic pause. <laughs> it's the guns. And sometimes I, I'm well, not sometimes. I'm almost convinced that testifying and the whole thing is just it's all theater, especially from the other side. And I'm not trying to take away from the loss of anybody. Personally, I lost my mom to a horrific death, you know, but I'm not going to go up there and say like, hey, I lost my mom. And, you know, and this is how I identify myself, you know, things, shitty things happen to people, but I'm not blaming the object that killed her. And it's just so, I don't know. I, I honestly, I hate it because it's the other side. I feel like it's all emotion. And then our side is more rational and fact-based, but yeah. So she starts crying. And I mean, honestly, I would have been embarrassed 
if my name was on that bill and she was the one introducing it, I would have just been like, all right, move aside. I'm just going to do this. And then after she, you know, went over the bill, then people were able to ask her questions. She couldn't answer any of the questions, which is infuriating because like I said in my testimony, unless you guys know the features that you want to ban in this bill, you have no business voting for it. And clearly she didn't know what these features were. She has no idea what they do. Same thing with you became one of my favorites very quickly because you asked some very good questions. So when the district attorney for Denver, I forget her name. That's McCann. Okay. What a joke. So she, you know, she gets up there and she says that she sees, you know, a lot of shootings and that, you know, of course, like the AR-15 round goes three times faster out of the barrel and it... And with that, she didn't even say AR-15. She said assault weapons. Yes. When assault weapons shoot people, it blows them apart. And that's what her thing was. She used the terminology, not even AR-15. She's culminating it with assault weapons, which was just even more ridiculous. But sorry. And just so that you guys, so the listeners know, so this assault weapons bill, it wasn't just, you know, down to, okay, like AR-15, AKs, anything that like might look like a scary gun for the other side. This is anything that had a detachable magazine that had one or more of the following features, which was like a flash hider, a barrel shroud, a threaded barrel. So we're talking about, you know, the ability to ban even just like basic handguns. Yeah. So when she used the definition of, you know, the assault weapon, so which could be anything, I mean, it could be a 22, honestly, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, and then she said that, that like the children, and this is so bad, but she said the children of like Sandy Hook, there's no pictures because they were just essentially like blown away. And so you asked, you know, who's testifying, you were like, well, I'm curious, you know, what caliber does anybody know? Like the common caliber of like an AR-15, nobody could answer that. And yeah. you said that, Actually, you know, it's five, five, six, two, two, three. And we don't use that for large game because it's essentially the size. The bullet is the size of a 22 and you cannot take down a deer or an elk with that, which was great. I was like, a solid point. Thank you. Thank you for addressing that right away. And I think it was you also who eventually you were just like, can we just agree that, you know, that I think it was something ballistics related that you handled early on because everyone in their testimony kept saying that. And that's because the bill itself also said that the assault weapons basically like blow up uh, the organs and create so much more damage than your typical firearm. And, And that also is infuriating that it's even included in the bill, which you would think that if, you know, like these bills should be based on facts. I don't know. The whole thing was just, it's just crazy to me. And it's, it's hard to fathom that anything like this is, you know, that it's even like legal, that it's actually happening and that people right. are making their votes based on this. Like people are, are voting for or against this based on the information that is in this bill. And that's even assuming that people even had time to read the bill. So like this bill, right. I think was 13 pages. I mean, some of the stuff that you guys are voting on is much longer. And you kind of have to question if you guys are working from like, let's say 6 a.m. to 12 o'clock at night, how much time are you really giving yourselves to read these bills? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud right now. But yeah, so the whole testimony of everyone i mean it was quite entertaining unfortunately sadly 
but just, you know, where people are getting their facts from. But I really was like proud of you for the things that you said and you had some really good arguments and yeah. So, I mean, thank you for that. And for anyone who is not aware of the outcome, I forget that was it, what was the total votes, but we got three Democrats to vote no for yeah, the assault weapons. Se- seven to six was the final vote on the bill. And then it was eight to five to uh, postpone indefinitely. So, okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. The whole thing was. It was just crazy. But now that this is over, and it's not over, it's going to be a constant fight. I think Elizabeth Epps even said, you know, okay, if you vote no on this, like it is going to be reintroduced next year. And there's no doubt about it. And I think it is going to be a constant fight. But what would you say? So from now until then, what would you say would be good, you know, good idea for people to do? How can they get involved? And for me personally, so I've been talking to Nephi Cole from NSSF. And he said that, you know, it's good to get on the other side, like on their good side and make these relationships. And that's what I plan on doing is getting on their email list and figuring out, you know, hey, when are they meeting at a coffee shop, going there, having these conversations with people? If nothing else, maybe they could reach out to me as, you know, if they were trying to figure out, answer a question about, you know, something that they had uh, firearms related or something like that. But what would you say people could do from now until then just to sort of gain momentum on any bills that are uh, proposed in the future? Well, I would agree wholeheartedly with that, getting involved with with the other side. But I would do, I mean, the thing that we have a problem with, and this is on both sides, when people show up with an opposing view to something, it turns into a, a toxic kind of exchange between people. I think just keeping things respectful, like we did in the debate the other night, you know, there were a few people that kind of went off mm-hmm. offline a little bit with being maybe borderline disrespectful, but on both sides again, but mm-hmm. it's just one of those things. If you're going to show up to those places, just respectfully disagree, respectfully point out inaccuracies or misinformation that people are putting out. I was very, you can probably see that I was flustered when I had to, that first, the handpicked panel that the Dems put up for their witnesses, you know, there were expert witnesses with uh, DA McCann and everything else mm-hmm. for her to just come out right off the bat with misinformation and everything else that they were throwing out there for the shock factor, you know? Yeah. I wanted to shut it down, but I'm sitting there like, oh man, how do I even start this? Because we don't get, when we have that many witnesses, we don't get that many questions. I'm surprised that the uh, the chair gave me that much latitude to be able to follow up a little bit. Because he could have shut me down at any time. But the fact that she did that, I was just flustered. And I tried to come out with a question. I miss, I still even misspoke a little bit, even talking about calibers and whatnot. But I just was like, okay, how do I start this out best with the best way to just point out the inaccuracies? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just what you have to do. I put my emotion aside. I took a breath and, you know, I just asked a question that I knew would call out what they are coming at us with. And absolutely no correct facts or factual information and to do that is good otherwise there you know we're not done this year we still have other at least one other gun bill that's on the coming down from the senate you know the ghost gun mm-hmm. ban so i mean this is they they promised a package at the beginning of session and this is it but that, that was definitely the worst bill and the worst sponsor they could have had to run that bill was uh Epps. It just she is not, she's 
painted herself in a corner, even in her own party. So she blames everybody else. She blames racism. And she's one of those that's a self-proclaimed Antifa activist that just that's her go-to is just, you know, she's one of the extremists where if you're, if you disagree with her, you're racist. If you own a gun, you're a racist. If Mm -hmm. you do anything conservative, you're a racist. So yeah, which I actually, I noticed that, that she pulled the race card pretty often. And and that's That's, not to disagree that racism doesn't exist. And I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm not racist at all. Like I have lots of black friends, but I Mm -hmm. hate when people say that that would be like me walking around and saying like, well, you're sexist to everything, anybody who disagrees with me. And I don't even think about that. It doesn't even enter my mind, honestly. And that's just because I've worked very hard to be taken seriously. And it's, you know, either at this point, it's like you like me or you don't. I don't think about, you know, it's because I'm a female. Yeah. Yeah. She's called me racist to my face before, too. And I was like, oh, is it because I have a Hispanic son? <laughs> what, right. What makes me a racist? Yeah. But uh, no, she's she was in our in our minds. She was the perfect one for that bill because of how easy it was going to be to pick it apart. Mm-hmm. But at, at the other end is for them. It's just like, wow, if you guys really wanted to do this, you should have had somebody else sponsor that bill. Absolutely. But, yeah. Um, those two, both Senator Fields and her, two horrible picks for that bill. It was destined to fail. Is that how was that Jennifer? Was Jennifer? Who is who is the other African American? Uh, uh, is it Rhonda? I don't remember her first name. It was her first name was Jennifer, and that's all I could see because I was trying to see who or what her last name was. But she was also somebody that I wasn't impressed with, and the questions that she yeah. asked, I thought were just. Also kind of, you know, like, I think she got a little annoyed with me when I said that most shootings happen in urban cities. Yeah. On the house side was uh, Bacon. Oh, yes. Jennifer Bacon. Yes. Okay. And Garcia. Yeah. So I'm going to take another quick break. Talk about Gators Eye Pro. Everyone likes good eye pro, especially when it comes to shooting, if you want good ones that protect your eyes and feel comfortable. All Gator lenses are safety rated so that they're good for shooting, but they also have the mil-spec ballistic lens that is rated to take a hit from a 15 caliber projectile at 700 feet per second without cracking. Basically, that means a high-speed ricochet can hit it and they won't crack. They're also easy to custom fit to you so that you can fit your head perfectly. They have a ton of style and frames to choose from, different colored lenses as well. Check them out at gators.com forward slash Ava. If you use that URL, you are going to get 15% off your entire order. Another thing that I noticed is through, you know, just the three times that I've testified so far, it seems like it's always the same people that show up. My friend Alicia and I, we just have these like running jokes at this point. Like, I'm just like, oh, look, here's that lady again, you know, and and right. some of them don't even change their story at all. Like, they're still just like this happened. It doesn't matter. They don't change the story. They tell the same thing. And, you know, for my friend Alicia and I, like we at least were like, OK, we we look at something and we're breaking the bill apart. But they just come in there and they're like, my grandma committed suicide and my, you know, uncle committed suicide and we need to ban guns. And I don't know. But in also and I've said this previously in other podcasts, but I was just so alarmed to see how many red shirts there were. And I've joked in the past that I'm like, wouldn't it be funny if we all started wearing red and we showed up and then we were like testifying against the bill and then it just kind of ruined their whole marketing scheme. 
And I still think sometimes I want to do that, but people are like, no, it's not a good idea. But I'm like, I think it's genius idea, honestly. (laughs) But also, so I was also thinking in the back of my mind, like just the amount of abuse and bullying that you guys get after voting for a bill from these people, like, does that happen? Because I've noticed, what's his last name? Well, his first name, Saeed. He was one of the Democrats that voted against it. It was Bob Marshall and... Who's the other guy? Um, uh, Snyder. Mark, Mark yeah, Snyder. Yeah. And I noticed that Saeed before that, because he, he voted in favor of one of the bills. And uh, before that, he had his comments on his Instagram on. But after he voted uh, in opposition of the bill, he turned off his comments. So I'm like, I wonder if he just gets, he probably gets a mouthful. I would imagine, like probably mm-hmm. all of you guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we see like you said, the, the same amount of people and the same faces that show up and tell the same stories. And yeah. I, every time we hear them, I have to say something in my closing comments are just like today we've heard some very horrific stories and, you know, I don't want to say again, yeah. but we do, we yeah. hear the same stories it's, and it, it isn't, sometimes it might fit the narrative of the title of the bill. Other times it doesn't. And it's just more for that, the shock and awe factor of, you know, you just get people in the room to gasp yeah, or shake their head and disbelief. And, oh, I can't believe a gun did that. And just to have, it's great to have so many patriots come out and at least speak on the fact that my gun hasn't done any of that today or any time. You know, my gun doesn't do that. And I, I said that, well, not as eloquently in my closing comments of the bill was that I own over 20 guns, you know, and mm-hmm. at least six or eight of them would be illegal based on this bill. And none of my guns leave my house on their own and do anything. I don't use my guns to kill people. I don't wake up and say, man, it's Monday. I want to go kill somebody. That's Mm -hmm. not something that anyone in their right mind goes through. The fact that there are people that still find a reason to get up and kill somebody means that we need to focus on that, not Mm -hmm. on guns. But we have those people that just don't understand that, that aspect of it. And for the Democrats that voted against it, we all got emails from a lot of those those people and very disgusting emails of, you know, I'm horrified to think that you can go home and look at yourself in the mirror after the way you voted. And it was, we could see, they put it in the openly who they sent it to. And it was all the Democrats and Republicans that voted against that bill. Wow. And uh, so they, they were targeting everybody, including the Democrats that voted against it. But I'm sure the Democrats, especially that voted against it, are getting bullied way worse than we are. We're used to it. You know, mm-hmm. you, anyone can take a look at my social media and see there's, it's about 50, 50 with the supporters and the trolls that are out there just doing, you know, and saying disgusting things. But that's the problem is that's the only argument that people have is the sad stories. Oh, well, guns kill kids. Well, there's a lot of things that kill kids. We like need to protect our pools. kids. Yeah. Yeah. Swimming pools kill we more should, kids we as parents and communities should protect our kids, but it doesn't have anything to do with guns. It has to do with people that are using guns as tools, Mm -hmm. but that's a narrative you can't get through to the people. I try to bring it up in the, you know, a person, a gun is not a weapon of war. A person can be made into a weapon of war, Mm -hmm. but the tools that they choose to use in, in whatever combat they see to go out and, and commit is up to them. That's, you know, making something more or less accessible is not the case when that's a small percentage of people that snap and use a gun for something versus the many, you know, 
millions of people that own the guns lawfully never do anything period unlawfully with their guns you have a few bad actors that are just exploited and used by these people that come in and testify so absolutely it's just really sad i'm going to end with this last question when i was trying to rally people up and get them to testify a lot of people were like nope it's a waste of time same with voting and that honestly infuriates me those people i'm just like okay well i'm glad i'm fighting the fight for you don't worry like you could sit back and i'll take care of it and I still think that there's a lot to be said about, you know, power in numbers, especially because when it comes to politicians, you know, we are voting for them. So if people aren't active, then, yeah, it is going to negatively affect, you know, the outcome. And so I was really happy to see so many people show up to testify against this last bill. But would you say, I, I want to know from you personally, would you say that it makes a difference or do people come in there with their minds already made up? Yes and no. I know from speaking on the House floor and then, you know, in committee hearings that people, for whatever, come in with their minds made up. I have seen people flip. And regardless of whether or not they flip, I can see when I'm talking on something that people don't want to hear and don't really have an open mind about, period. Mm -hmm. When I'm talking at the podium on the floor, you can look around at the faces and see who's staring at their phones and who's making eye contact with me. Mm -hmm. So, in the committee, when you're testifying, you can kind of see that on the the committee members of who's on their phone and who's actually engaging and, and listening to you. Mm -hmm. But the people behind you are another story, too. Those people that come there with their mind made up of what they want to hear and not hear. But there are people that do have open minds. Everyone should come and let their voice be heard. I would never tell anyone not to. Absolutely, that makes a difference. And if nothing else, for those of us that are outnumbered, in the uh, house, it's great to hear other voices of support, you know, coming to the table from we the people. But at the same time, you would know, I like to see when I have eye contact with people, it's like, okay, that person is listening to me. That's somebody that actually has an open mind and wants to hear a different perspective mm -hmm. and maybe doesn't know what all of what they're talking about and might be open to learning a little bit more versus the people that, like we saw, you know, the come in there completely closed minded completely narrow-minded, just absolutely no correct or factual information on what they're talking about, but don't want to know anything because they consider it so taboo. Yeah. So we are a blue state. We're going to remain a blue state. The fact of the matter is we still can make this a relatively balanced blue state. I don't think we're going to see the red wave that everyone wants to see. I think we're going to remain a blue state, but we, Colorado as a whole, voted 46% Republican. That still ended up in mostly heavily conservative districts. So we still are outnumbered regardless, but we need to get our voices heard in those districts that are more progressive mm -hmm. and turn some of their voting around so that we can get balance back in our state. And who knows, there could be a day where maybe we do see it, it turn back to a red state. But the way things are going, it's probably going to stay blue. Does that mean give up hope and, and stay silent? No, we need to be the loud minority, you know, yeah. we, we need to be heard by those that need to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if nothing else, this last bill was the perfect example of that. A lot of people told me that I was wasting my time and, you know, or just flat out told me like, hey, we're not going to show up. It's a waste of a day. But clearly it wasn't. And I was even surprised with the outcome. I thought for sure. I mean, because I was looking at the committee and I was thinking to myself, like, all right, who looks like they 
you know, I was thinking Bob Marshall. I was like, okay, well, one, I also knew that he won by like, I think it was like 200 or 400 votes or something like that. So he already was kind of like, you know, like sort of walking on eggshells, but he seemed to listen to everyone's testimony. Whereas like Saeed and Snyder, they were looking at their computer the entire time. They asked very few questions. Right. And I was like, eh, I feel like they're already kind of, you know, their minds are already made up, but I was surprised. I don't know. I still, I strongly think that there is still power numbers that if we mm-hmm. make our voices heard, that if we show up to these, you know, and, and, you know, try to fight it, especially if we vote, you know, and if you guys don't like mail-in votes, okay, go in person and vote or like be the change that you guys want to see. But I think yeah. sitting around or putting your head in the sand, I definitely don't think that that's the way to go. And it's nothing infuriates me more. And that, you know, if you're not going to fight for what you want, then you almost deserve to have it taken away, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I'm not going to keep you. I know this is like your first day off in forever. Can you just, if people want to follow you and support you, is there, you know, social media that you want to direct them to by chance? Yeah, that's Rep. Ryan Armagost on uh, Twitter. It's You can pretty much find me at Representative Ryan Armagost on Facebook and Instagram, same way. Otherwise, yeah, if anyone wants to reach out and get on our newsletter, feel free to email. It's ryan.armagost.house at coleg.gov. And just in the subject line, just put newsletter request and we'll get you on our newsletter. Okay, awesome. Ryan, thank you so much for your time and all your hard work. And it's great to see that you're out there making a difference. I appreciate you. Thank you. And likewise, and I appreciate everything you do. Thank you. Moving forward with the rest of the show, I have John Snow joining me. John, welcome back. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. No, I'm actually, I'm doing well. I've just, I'm sure like you, I've just been going nonstop for the last three weeks. So I'm kind of waiting for, you know, a little break. That'd be great. It's not going to happen anytime soon, of course, but you know. Same here. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) It's okay. YOLO. (laughs) Okay. So before we start talking about the rest of the show that we have planned, taking a quick break, talking about BSF barrels. I've used a number of BSF barrels in the past, and Patreons have purchased them too. If you're looking to make a premium lightweight build, they're an outstanding starting point. Their barrels are in the same weight class as low-profile barrels, but because of the carbon fiber sleeving, they're rigid like a bull barrel, so they're incredibly accurate as well. The barrels are tuned down to low profiles, but then the roll-wrapped carbon fiber sleeve loads it under tension to give you that heavy barrel rigidity without the weight. Also, 95% of the carbon fiber doesn't touch the barrel, and it has ventilation slots to cool the barrel faster. The result is it performs like a heavy barrel without the extra weight. If you want to check these out, head on over to bsfbarrels.com. Dot com. Remember to use the code ELITE15, all one word, and that's getting you 15% off. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. 
Today in politics, recently, uh, this has been popping up a lot in social media. A few YouTubers that I know made videos about it. But CRS has been found guilty. And John, do you kind of want to talk about sort of some of the things that have happened? I'm kind of on the fence about how I feel. Obviously, I don't know. So I kind of do feel like, hey, you poke the bear, you know, play stupid games, win prizes. But on the other hand, I also think this is absolutely ridiculous, especially with 3D printing being so readily available and them just creating these little cards that are slightly bigger than a credit card. And it has the cutout of an auto Oh, it's not, it's not even a cutout. Oh, it's not yeah. a cutout. Okay. No, it's not even cut out at all. It's just a, a picture stenciled of it? silk screen over the top of it. So it's not like pre-perforated or anything to break it out easy. It's literally just a flat piece of metal with the printing, the silk screening. So it, it's basically just drawn on. That's wow. it. Okay. Piece of metal with drawn on diagram. Okay. So for those who aren't familiar with what happened, just give us like a brief rundown. So a couple years ago, the they started making what they called the auto key card. And it was this lightning link stenciled on a flat piece of metal. Was not pre-perforated to be easily cut out or anything like that. I mean, it's literally something that anybody can make just simply by downloading the picture and drawing it and cutting it out themselves. I mean, they really did this as a joke, you mm -hmm. know, but the thing was, so they started selling them. And the thing is, the really disgusting thing is they talked to ATF. ATF said, no, it's not a machine gun because it's literally a oh, flat piece of metal. It's so not cut out. I didn't realize that they talked to ATF. Yeah. So there's two people that were charged with this. The guy who was actually selling them and the YouTube guy who was promoting them for them. And so Justin Irvin was the guy who was making them and the guy known as CRS Firearms, Matthew Hoover on YouTube. They were both caught up in this case. One of them has been in jail this entire time because of this. Mm -hmm. And it's literally a flat piece of metal with a stencil on it, a diagram. I mean, it. So, okay. So let's talk about. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, because... I get it. So let's talk about their CRS. So there's two guys involved. So the guy, the founder of CRS, he's looking at doing over a hundred years in prison. And then who's the other guy? He's a YouTuber and he was helping like raise funds to help, you know, for the legal cause. And then as, and I think he was also, you know, talking about the auto key card. He was promoting it and that's how he got caught up in it. And mm -hmm. they charged him with the crime of structuring, which. Is, and so they're saying up to 45 years in prison. Yeah. So it, he was found guilty on one charge of structuring. And structuring is essentially a financial crime where they structure withdrawals to avoid red flags. And that's, you know, withdrawals are over $10,000, which trigger, you know. Which he was going to banks and he was making withdrawals. But yeah. uh, as of recently, actually, because I just tried to get some money out of the bank and I was like, yeah, I need X amount of dollars. Let's say I needed $10. And they're like, well, all we can do is give you three. And you're like, uh, what? And they're like, yeah, I mean, if you want to come back in a week, we'll have, you know, what you want. And, yeah. you know, so he was going to multiple banks taking out funds because they didn't have the funds available. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just crazy. There's that part that he got caught up on. And it, both of them are just completely bogus because 
So the one guy, he, his final count that he was charged with was 10 counts of transferring machine guns, mm-hmm. which which there literally was, none of these are machine guns. Well, so I mean, people did. There was witnesses so, that took this and they tried to use it. And a yes. lot of them reported that they couldn't. They had issues. I think maybe one person was successful in turning. And it was we're talking about an AR here. And you still had to do more than just cut out, you know, this little. You had to cut it out. You had to form it correctly and get it working. Mm-hmm. Now, reportedly, there was one in the case that somebody heard automatic fire. They saw them using this and then somebody said something. Well, hey, isn't that illegal? And anyway, that one ended up back with them. So ATF had, I think, three of them that they talked about in the case mm-hmm. and that they could not get any of them to actually work. Hmm. Not a single one. They cut out several. They had several, the one that had been already formed by somebody. They couldn't get a single one of them to actually function correctly. They jammed one of them into the reset mechanism in order to get it to follow fire in essence, malfunction and simulate automatic fire that way. Same kind of BS that they came up with this week where they said a piece of debris that gets stuck in there that can cause follow fire is also a machine gun. I mean, they are just Hmm. off the freaking rails with this BS. I still, I mean, I still stand by the fact that I think it is kind of, it's one of those things like, guys, if you want to develop something, do it in the privacy of your own home. I don't know how... I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. I don't know if I completely back these guys up where I'm just like, wow, this is totally, you know, outlandish. But and maybe I am wrong. Maybe I sound a little, you know, maybe I should be a little bit more like liberal thinking about it. But I don't know. I'm I'm kind of indifferent. I don't know if I back them up 100 percent. I do think that what their charges are is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, oh, this they're guy, li- impl- they're lying their asses off charging them with these. Yeah. Um, well, and, and not to mention, the guy's already been in jail now for almost a year. I think he's it's I, two years now. I thought it was June. Oh, you're right. Cause it was, I think it was like June of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. But I guess we'll see. Yeah. They, they arrested Irvin in April of 2021. And they're up for retrial. Is it in July? Uh, their sentencing is scheduled for July. Gotcha. So. Uh, my hope is that, I mean, th- th- this is BS. The ATF is lying again, mm-hmm. as they do in this case, in everything in how they're prosecuting it. You know, what what they sold is not a machine gun, period. End of discussion. They are lying if they say anything else. And it's just like every other crime that they try and go after manufacturers for if something's misused. Yeah, gotcha. You cannot hold a manufacturer responsible for what an end user does with something. Mm -hmm. But that's what they're doing. And it's just bogus. I also wonder how this would set the stage for, you know, uh, 80 percenters and stuff like that. That's exactly it. I mean, this is a zero percenter in essence. So, I mean, a block of aluminum is that now a firearm? Come on. I mean, yeah. This case is just bogus. Um, I agree. Yeah, they were poking the bear with this, but legally it is nothing but a piece of metal and that's all it can ever be. Mm -hmm. Any 
anyone who says otherwise is lying. Yeah. And it's it's sad that a jury decided this, but mm-hmm. I mean, juries go by what the judge directs them. Yeah. And it, it's, gotcha. it's sad is what it is. All right, moving on. Caldwell. Caldwell has some of the most affordable targets around, including paper targets and the orange peel targets, which is what I'm going to start using for my students. Because one thing that I've noticed that really sucks when you're using paper targets is you can't really see where you hit, especially if you're using, you know, smaller calibers. And so I am changing it up and I just ordered a hundred paper targets from Caldwell and they're actually really well priced. You can get them, I think in like packs of like 10, 15, 20 or 25 up to a hundred. So I ordered a hundred of them and I love them. Essentially when you shoot it, it shows like a neon color as of like when you shoot the black part, it'll show like a neon color will appear and it makes your hits visible. They have lots of other great stuff as well. Check it out, caldwellshooting.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY10, all one word. That's getting you 10% off your entire order. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's Q&A is how was NRAM? I will be honest, this was such a quick show. I, you know, flew in Thursday night. The show was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday afternoon. I flew out and I really didn't get to see as much as I wanted to. I didn't get to walk the floor as much. I had a lot of different meetings, a booth appearance and lots of dinner reservations. And I mean, it was really just to go there and support my sponsors, honestly. But yeah, I mean, it was actually pretty busy. That was the one thing is I I will say like in the last couple of years, a lot of these shows haven't been busy because of COVID, but this show, there was a few times where I was like, there was traffic in the aisles. It was hard to, you know, navigate, like to get through. There's like lots of people that were walking around kind of slow and in their scooters and their carts and it was a little frustrating. I was like, okay, don't really miss this. <laughs> don't get hit by a rascal. Yeah, exactly. But it is good to see that a lot more people are coming to support these shows and things are starting to normalize. So, you know, there's always some silver lining. Okay, so IWI. If you want a rugged and reliable gun, definitely check out the Galil Ace from IWI. It's honestly, it's one of my favorite guns that I own. I love mine. Do you have the Gen 2 version? I've got a Gen 1. Oh, so uh-huh. I, I've got the 545 by 39, which when I got it, it's now in the Gen 2. They now have that one as a, a normal offering. But when I got it, it was a limited edition. Mm-hmm. They in the Gen 1 only did 545 of them. So I got one of those. It was the Gen 1, so I did the conversion stuff on it. I put, you know, the forehand like you have on the Gen 2, I put that on mine. Mm -hmm. And then I also did the plastic delete kit. So you take off the lower plastic and put a standard like AR grip on it. Yeah, nice. But yeah, I love it. That gun is 
it's a beast, but yet it's still really accurate. You know, oh, it, it's like just you so get the refined. beastiness of the AK, but it's like refined. really smooth and clean and refined and reliable. Yeah, yeah. And mine don't eat I love anything. That the charging is on the other side. Absolutely, yeah, they, they eat anything. Yeah. If you if you want a solid solid gun that is the gun Mm -hmm, absolutely if you guys want to check it out head on over to iwi.us remember to use the code gunfunny15 all one word and that gets you 15% off tactic talk discussing popular guns and gear love it hate it find out now Today in Tacti Talk, a real smart gun. So one of the things that came out at NRA, I believe that's maybe where they debuted it, but I saw this on social media. A lot of people were like, oh, a smart gun. So, and I, for the record, am not a fan of smart guns. Politicians have long advocated for smart guns, insisting that technology exists, it's possible, and even pass laws about it, even though they do not exist in any reliable form so far. Millions in government grants have been spent researching and developing prototypes, but they've all been incredibly unreliable. A company from Colorado, BioFire, thinks they've changed that. They are in the process of taking orders for a 9mm smart gun. The thing about BioFire, though, they're not trying to make a smart gun that meets the political wish list of gun grabbers. They're building a gun that doesn't need safe storage, but can only be fired by the authorized user, but at immediate notice a bedside gun that, for example, won't operate for a child. To do this, they've built two authorization circuits into it, a facial recognition camera and fingerprint scanners. Only one is required to authorize you to fire. So I guess that's good to an extent, but what about those people that, you know, look totally different with or without their makeup on? <laughs> that, that's a and, valid, valid and, thing. Dude, fingerprint things, like, freak me out because it rarely yeah. works sometimes for me. But reportedly, yeah, it, I saw a video of it. It looks like they have really done their homework with it. And mm-hmm. it does seem to be pretty operational. Mm-hmm. I'm still extremely suspicious about it in certain reliability concerns. Bedside, it might be okay. But my experience when it comes to fingerprint scanners, like you will at times very frequently like if it's cold fingerprint yeah. scanners don't know, work because your fingerprints if have you just got out of the shower if you just hurt yourself yep in any one of those things change your fingerprints mm-hmm. so yeah absolutely i know so that's they're not yeah, gonna that, work there and then also they, i mean the facial recognition honestly is legit because even on my iphone and this is way before like you know even like when people were wearing a mask and they were like, oh, we need to make it so that they recognize your eyes, which is fucking weird. But even now, like sometimes I'll wake up in the morning, maybe I look a little, you know, a little rough, (laughs) but I'm just like, come on, you stupid phone. Like I'm looking right into the phone and it doesn't recognize my face. And I don't know. So any of that stuff just kind of freaks me out. But apparently, you know, this is a little bit better than like the other smart guns out there. It's been in development for five years now. The gun has a very large front end in order to hold the battery and circuit boards and comes with a cradle and a little computer console to do the initial authentication to authorize you. But problem is with something like this that is even remotely viable it will be used as ammunition by politicians to mandate that all firearms sold be smart guns. So I, again, I'm just not, 
I'm not into this. I don't think that it should be a thing. And I would hate for it to, you know, now that this comes out, that this is what politicians want to push. So oh, they'll latch on to this because they'll say, hey, you complained for years that these don't, those don't exist. But yeah. now here is one. Well, Do you know what the cost of this is? Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, I got to imagine it's not inexpensive. Um, think, yeah, fourteen ninety nine to fifteen ninety nine, depending on the version. Yeah, no, um, thank you. I'd rather buy a Galil. Thank you very much. Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's not inexpensive. I mean, maybe over time the price would come down, but so that's saying what? Like people if, who, you know. If they get it perfected, I can see it being something viable for what they're trying to do. Yeah, you know, but if the price doesn't gun, come down. The price doesn't come down. Then is that to say that people who can't afford, you know, but that exactly. don't. That aren't well off, that don't have the means to spend fifteen to $2,000. Like, yeah. That's ridiculous, especially, I mean, I'll say it, like most crime does take place in the areas that aren't as. In areas that aren't as well off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, how else do I say that? Absolutely. You know, Um, everybody deserves the right to defend themselves regardless and and reliably. Because here's the thing. Electronics are awesome, but they fail all the time. Mm -hmm. Batteries fail. Mm -hmm. You know, the sensors fail. The you know, blood, they supposedly they've done a lot to make sure that, oh, well, if the, cause here's, they have that camera in there. Well, if your fingerprint scanner doesn't work, then the camera works. Well, what if both, what if both of them yeah, don't work? I know. Then exactly. you're dead. Yep. Okay. Today in AF. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as, f- never mind. AF. ATF going door to door, confiscating the wide open triggers in several states. The Watt trigger, which is similar to rare breed triggers, the FRT, was sold direct from Watt and then uh, through Big Daddy Unlimited and lost a patent infringement case to rare breed, who is currently facing a lawsuit for selling FRTs. Back in January of 2022, ATF showed up at BDU to confiscate their stock of Watts and FRTs. Then in March, ATF released their open letter claiming that some FRTs are machine guns. They're lying about how they function, but this isn't stopping them. Their latest move is apparently going after people who purchased them, though it's not sure how they obtained the information. People in several states, including Texas, have reported being visited by agents, asking them to turn them over, saying they're not in any trouble and just wanted the triggers because they were machine guns and the owners are violating the NFA. BDU says no customer information was turned over and the information was digitally shredded, but the people reporting this were all direct BDU customers. BDU uses Authorize.net for credit card processing, though you might remember back when ATF started showing up at Palmer 80's door, they got the information from Authorize.net. ATF responded to request for comment by referring to their earlier letter about turning them into the local field office. Authorize.net did not respond to the request for comment. Who knows? Uh, and then also, yeah. I think BDU, are they even still around? I feel like they just went, they they went under like within this last year. I don't think so. They lost the case to Rare Breed, but I don't think they went anywhere. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't heard much about them at all. They've, I think they put a shit ton of money into marketing and then between that and then the lawsuit, I don't think they're doing as well. But nevertheless, 
yeah, it still looks like they're around still. Hmm. I just looked, but yeah, it, again, ATF is lying their butts off on this one. Yeah, but I mean, so, but it boils down to how did they get this information? So was it yeah. authorized.net, which is, it's a good, I mean, that's very probable. Yeah, very likely one of two things. Either when they came and they seized the property from BDU, they probably took some computers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And even if, as they say, things were digitally shredded, you can still recover stuff if you throw enough processing power at it. Yeah. But I think it is much more likely that they probably got the information from authorized.net because mm-hmm. uh, BDU does use them. And those guys freely turned over customer information on the Polymer 80 case to them when they requested it. They didn't even, you know, mm-hmm. require a warrant or anything. They just gave it to them. So I think authorized.net is the likely culprit. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. But yeah, it. It's again case they're they're just they're lying about how these things function. Mm-hmm. So it's just crazy. Franklin Armory. I saw them at NRA and I had a meeting with them, but during that time, my friend 22 Plinkster was there and he was selling his new 22 triggers that were binary. But what's great about this, and I don't know if you even knew this, I didn't, because somebody was like, what's so great about yours? It's it's got your 22 Plinkster name on it. And Dave was like, no, this is actually, it's a drop-in trigger for the Ruger 1022. So you know how there's been reports that like the original Franklin Armory binary trigger, I mean, it was, it works well, but it's definitely not as easy as replacing like your AR trigger. And it does require, you know, quite a bit of effort to install it. Well, now they've made it very easy. So now I'm just like, okay, I really don't have an excuse. I need to get a 1022 and I need to get the Franklin Armory, I guess, 22 Plinksters trigger. I'm sure that's going to go straight to his head. <laughs> but yeah, I'm we, pretty we, excited we can, for We that. can buff that off and have yeah, we'll Michael, just Michael Sagoon can uh, laser yeah. the name on there. Yeah, there you go. I'll be like, huh. I did joke when Classic Firearms came by because they saw Dave and I and they were like, hey, you know, we jumped on a quick interview. And during that interview, I was like, yeah, this is Dave's trigger. But, you know, my trigger's coming out pretty soon. And it was funny because like the VP of marketing, he's looking and and I was like, right. And he's like, uh, he's like, just call me. And I was like, yeah, no, it's really it's a go. We're, we're doing this. <laughs> so we'll see. I'm just waiting for my trigger to come out. But yeah, I mean, that's big news about the 22 drop in trigger. And I believe they still have them on the website. They only had so many that they made, but I have to believe if they did well at NRA, that these are going to be something that is going to be readily available. Making that drop in is a good move. Absolutely. So, yeah. I I know how to work on a 1022 trigger, but. Well, most most people people don't. I don't. I mean, I, I honestly don't because I don't have a 1022. I haven't really messed around with it. So, there's there's some quirks to how they go together. So for most people, it it would not be successful if they tried to do it on their own. Yeah, so this is great. So check out franklinarmory.com. Don't forget to use the code AVA, A-V-A, and that's going to get you 10% off. Today's iTunes reviews. So guys, I really appreciate you leaving a review. It lets me know that I'm not just talking to myself or my guest, that there's actually people out there listening, and it is greatly appreciated. The first review is Mars, M-A-R-S-S. 
1066, best gun podcast yet. Five stars. Recently discovered your show and have been listening to all past shows. Love the delivery and content. Smooth, soothing voice and great guests. I also enjoy listening to the gear reviews and industry news. A nice change from the chest thumping tactical shows out there. Which I appreciate the compliment on my voice. I hate my voice, but a lot of people have actually said the same thing. <laughs> a second review is Dave the Hunter. Compelling story, five stars. Ava interviewed Raul Mendez, survivor and cool guy with a gun. I've heard Raul's story. It is a compelling story. Unfortunately, it is compelling for the staunch anti-gunners. The greatest fear is for any emotion-based decision. The discussion does not currently exist as it descends to screaming irrationally by the anti-2A. I really want to see Raul's story come to mainstream national media. I share it where I can. Thanks, Ava, for doing his story justice. All right, so John, who would you like to pick, the first or the second? Uh, Dave's got a great point about Raul's story, and I definitely want to see that go national, but I'm pretty sure Dave has won before, so I'm going to say Mars. All right, Mars, so contact me. If you guys are waiting for your prize pack, I apologize. I have not gotten to send anything out just yet. It's been a little while, actually. I'm not going to not gonna lie. Just hang tight. I haven't forgotten about you guys. It's just been really busy. It's just been nonstop travel and obligations. So I apologize, but I do think I'm going to catch up with that this week. So Mars1066, if you hear this, contact us as soon as possible to get your address so that you don't have to wait for the next shipment to go out. All right, time to wrap up. So if you guys enjoy this show and you want to support it, I would highly recommend becoming a Patreon we just had the Boomstick Babe join our Patreon group on Facebook, which is a lot of fun. And I don't know. I just think it's it's a really fun group. Definitely don't join the group, though, if you get offended easily, because we all kind of just make fun of each other. But it's a lot of fun. You could do so by going to gunfunny.com. Click on the support the show link. Also, Blown Deadline. He's doing a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron each month. And it doesn't matter what level you are. You can, you know, donate $3 a month or up to $25 a month like the patrons that I'm about to thank. But you get entered into the drawing to win a really cool Cerakote job from Blown Deadline. Also wanted to thank the $25 patrons. Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Sake Holsters, Jason Anderson, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, and Melissa Writings. And then King of the Patreon is the Jon Snow. Thank you for that. And Ryan is not with us because I didn't really want to take up any more of his time because I feel bad. Today's is like one day off and probably like 40 days. So, but really appreciate all of his hard work. And like I said before, guys, if we want to see change happen, we do need people out there running at local levels. And even if it's like school board or something like that, like get out there, put yourself out there, educate people as much as you possibly can, because obviously there's a lot of misinformation out there. And just try to be active and then vote, you know, get off your butt, vote and be active because right now us just, you know, sitting there with, like I said, our head in the sand is not working. And I think, you know, the outcome of the assault weapons bill in Colorado was proof that, you know, if we can get three Democrats on that committee to vote no, I think there's hope. So don't give up and Stay vigilant, stay active, and make your voice heard. 
And on that note, guys, I'm out of here. I will see you guys next week. I hope everyone has a great week and we'll talk soon. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact. <laughs>